passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, man. Do I ever love my X chair? I have never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire professional career. Honestly, it is so comfortable, I could sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers incredible lumbar support to my lower back, but now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. So instead of my old, uncomfortable office chair, which by the way, I hated, now I look forward to spending hours sitting in the ultimate therapeutic massager. This chair is absolutely insane. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to my core. It helps to increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or the office amazing. I'm telling you, you will not believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. Trust me, it is the luxury supercar of office chairs. Check it out right now. X-Chair is on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X, chairrome.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com. I said, I'm done. I quit. I can't live like this. Like, I, I, How am I going to get through today, let alone how am I going to get through five more months of treatment? I was a beaten person for the first time in my life. And my wife, Diana, came downstairs when I was ready to quit with tears in her eyes. And I had tears. And she said, look, you got to fight. You got to fight for me. You got to fight for our kids. And you got to fight for all the people that love you. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 172 of the Jim Rome Podcast. I've got an amazing guest for you this week. He is a Stanley Cup champion and an absolutely incredible horse racing handicapper. A legend in two different sports. A legend who looked cancer right in the eye and punched it in the face. He is, of course, my man, Eddie Olchek. This is one of the busiest weeks of the year for Edzo, so I was pumped that he was able to carve out some time for us. Good quality time. I don't just look forward to these conversations. I do cherish them. So let's get right at it. Episode 172 of the Jim Rohn Podcast with Eddie Olchek starts right now. Ed, so it's an amazing time of year. You've got race week with Derby this Saturday. 
the Derby this Saturday, and you've got the NHL playoffs right around the corner. It does not get any better than that. So, first off, how you feeling physically, and how is life overall, Eddie? Uh, everything is good, Jim. Always great to be with you, pal. Uh, everything is good. Um, you know, feeling good. Hard to believe uh, coming on my four-year anniversary of being diagnosed with stage three colon cancer back in 2017 of August, and. Uh, Hard to believe I've been clean and clear. I got a big scan coming up after the Derby, so uh, looking to be clean and clear on the right side of the side here moving forward. But uh, it is a great time of year. Usually, Jim, when we talk, we're right in the middle of the playoffs when the Kentucky Derby is going on, and uh, that's not the case this year. And everybody navigating through the pandemic, but uh, it's uh, a lot of excitement feeling good and uh, looking forward to uh, getting down to Louisville here. And there should be two great days of racing with the Oaks on Friday. And, of course, the Derby on Saturday. Well, it's so – you sound great, Eddie, and it's so good to have you this week to talk about these things. So why don't we jump right into it. The Derby draw itself was earlier today. Was there yeah. anything in particular that jumped out to you, and what is your overall reaction to what happened earlier today? Well, look at the horse that I liked ended up getting a rail draw in known agenda for Todd Fletcher and uh, Vinny and Teresa Viola of St. Elias Stables. And, of course, there's a hockey connection there, as you know, Jim, with – the Violas owning the Florida Panthers who were having a hell of a season down there with Coach Q and uh, down there in Sunrise. But, you know, look at, I, you know, the, the, the starting gate is uh, it's the second year in, in, uh, in action. It's uh, all one, you know, big gate where in the last, you know, hundreds of years it's been, you know, the auxiliary gate and there's a lot of spacing going on. So it is a little bit different. It's, it's a little bit more fair for the horse that's breaking from the rail instead of running straight at the inner rail and then have to stick handle your way through and, and get over, it's a little bit more of a clear and clean run. And look, if there's any jockey in the world right now that could get known agenda off the rail, like let, let me say this, like to get them out of the gate and get positioned, it's Irad Ortiz right now. There is no guy that is riding any better than Irad Ortiz Jr. And, that's what I'm banking on. Now, it's still a couple of days away, Jim. You know, we talk horses a lot. you got to see how the track is playing. But for me, that's the one thing that caught my attention because the horse that I like got the dreaded one hole, which, you know, we haven't had a winner there in, you know, what, 80, 90 years, whatever it is. But it is – we are living through a pandemic. It is a different starting date, so maybe uh, maybe the, uh, the stars are aligned for finally the one horse to finally win the Kentucky Derby. I know this, Ed. I know you like that horse a lot, and for Todd Pletcher, that had to be absolutely gut-wrenching to see that come up the way it did. It's not impossible. It's not likely. We'll see how that plays out. Essential quality, Ed, is the morning line favorite at 2-1, to one. but in your mind, is he the one to beat? Jim, I'm a little concerned with the last race with him winning the Bluegrass uh, over highly motivated for Chad Brown. Now, the track the day, that day was playing at Keeneland, it was, you know, it was a carpool lane. Like, you know, like once you got to the front, it carried you a long way. I'll be honest. I, I thought that that race took a lot out of essential quality. I like watching horses work. I don't, do I, do I make a decision on a win bet or a using a horse on how a horse is working going into the race? Probably not, but I just don't know if he, I think think he's got the ability to maybe regress a little bit here, Jim. He's perfect in his career. Look, it's hard to argue with essential quality. Five for five, two-year-old champion last year. Has done everything that you want. He got Brad Topps. He won an Eclipse Award last year. 
Louisville native, uh, you know, everything is, you know, looking up for essential quality. But again, I just go off of what I saw. The eye test tells Eddie Olchek that I think he was all out to win that last race. Now, we saw it last year, Jim, and I was, I was ahead of it. His law left his derby run at the Travers about six weeks or whatever it was, seven weeks prior to the Kentucky Derby. Now, did essential quality leave his race at Keeneland a couple of weeks ago? Time will tell, but I, I just feel a couple of similarities. Now, Kizala ran a great race, don't get me wrong. But as you know, you need a little bit of luck. You've got to be having enough left in the tank. And to me, I'm probably going to use essential quality, but uh, quite frankly, I, I'm not going to use them in my top two. I'm not. I'm not going to get beat. If he finishes third or fourth in the Super or the Trifecta, where all of a sudden I leave the favor out because chances are if he finishes third, you're going to have a pretty salty trifecta. So I'm I'm against the favorite, and we'll see we'll see if I'm right on Saturday. Eddie, I think that's fair. I think if the horse was all out, I think that certainly is fair. Check it out, clones. Jeff in Seabus is calling for a 20-way photo finish tie in the run for the roses. You heard me. The entire field of 20 will cross the finish line at the exact same time. You clones know better. Do not bet on Jeff and Seabus. Visit our pals at americasbestracing.net to get the latest and greatest to make a winning bet on the first Saturday in May. Visit americasbestracing.net today. Now, we are midweek, so things can change between now and then, and I know you want to get there and you want to see how the horses look, but midweek, who else do you like come Saturday? Do you see other value? Yeah, I, I think I think there's two horses for me, Jim. One, one is Hot Rod Charlie uh, for Doug O'Neill, who's won the Kentucky Derby a couple of times. I think that this is the type of horse that may just be sitting on one of those races, right? Like, you're looking at a horse, that has been running at, you know, 55, 60 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you just think, you know what, this, this, this horsepower here has a chance to get up to 75 or 80, and then you're going you're gonna to ride the horse home. Uh, before I go on to my, the other horse that I think is sitting on, on a big race, Jim, I, I would like to say this to all, to all your listeners and viewers, is that the last seven years of the Kentucky Derby, when the lead horse gets to the mile marker, so whatever horse it is gets to that, the first horse that gets to the mile marker with a quarter mile to go, the last seven Derby winners have either been sitting first, have been second, or has been third when the lead horse gets to the mile marker. So what does that tell me? It tells me that the track is carrying the horses that can get to the mile marker. It's telling me you got to be relatively close or you got to have a jockey that has courage and puts his plums on the table and says, you know what, I'm going to make my move three-eighths of a mile away from the finish line. I'm going to try to get up there at the top of the lane and be the horse that everybody's got to run down. So, And out of those seven years, Jim, four of them, the horses had the lead at the mile marker. So, look, at, I, I think you got to think about horses that are going to be relatively close. It's a trend. The numbers are what they are. There's not a lot of speed in the race, but I think it'll be honest. I think if they go three quarters of a mile, six furlongs, I think they got every chance to go a minute and ten in change. Obviously, the faster they go, it's better for the horses that are sitting in that second or third flight. So something to think about there. And then the other horse, I, I look at. I'm taking a shot here, but I'm definitely going to use the horse. It's another Todd Fletcher. It's not the horses that ran in New York, but it's going to be the horse that ran at Turfway Park. The name of the horse is Sainthood. And let me just sell you on this horse. The horse 
only look at it's only had only has one win. Ran a huge race at Turfway in their big race to, to get ready for the for the uh, for the Kentucky Derby. Had a horrible trip and came running like a freight train at the end. This is a horse that I think is trained very well. Seems to like Churchill. I think his out-trained known agenda, who I like, and known agenda's got the rail, and St. Hood's got the number four post position. I think you'll get every bit of 50 to 1 on St. Hood. Now, look at He doesn't have the experience. I think he's bred to go the mile and a quarter. But I think St. Hood is going to be used for Eddie Olchek. And when you're watching the broadcast on NBC, I am going to be using him. I don't care if he's 100 to 1. The horse doesn't know his odds. I know his odds. I'm going to look at the value and look at he may run fourth, he may run 14th, but I just think everything that I've seen so far with Sainthood and Todd Fletcher, I think this horse is sitting on a big race. It may not be good enough, Jim, but I, I'm going to get my money's worth, and I think I'm going to get a run because I think he'll be relatively close with Corey Lannery. I'm going to tell you something right now, Eddie. The second you and I are done, I'm going to hit that horse. I'm going to hit that horse right. I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I definitely will make him a part of what I'm doing. I love that. I love everything I'm hearing, but I especially love that breakdown. When you call a Dell Technologies advisor, you are talking to somebody who is not waiting for their turn to speak. No, they actually want to hear what you have to say. They're focused on you, ready to give advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and offer tailored solutions powered by Intel vPro platform to keep your small business ready for what's next. Our advisors listen so you know your small business needs have been heard. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Eddie, help me with this because, and, and by the way, if you're listening, that was some very good handicapping advice as well. This is why Edzo is Edzo. Listen, you and I have talked about the horses for a long, long time. I've always been really transparent about this. Some of the most spectacular and surreal days of my entire life have been at the track and revolved around that sport. Some of the yeah. most heartbreaking moments of my entire life have yeah. taken place within the sport. Eddie, you know this, right? The highs are indescribable. The lows, at least for me, are just as gut-wrenching. Have you had, and you've been around it your whole life, have you had a similar experience with the sport or maybe not? What's it been like for you? Yeah, I've had it, uh, look at, from the wagering aspect of uh, of investing $168 into a pick-six carryover at the at the old Hollywood Park, and uh, I was lucky enough to be one of three winners and uh, ended up cashing for a half a smill for $168. So for me... That that was the uh, you know that that was the bomb right there. That that was like you know what, I love this game and you know sometimes you got to step up and single a seventeen to one shot and that's what I did and you know the so called rest is history. No, but just for the record, uh, I got even after I got even after I hit that six six. But Jim, on the ownership part, and I've been an owner not not as big and as successful as you have, but I've had some really nice horses and look, and I, I had. I had a filly back in the day, back in the early 90s. I named the horse after my wife. Uh, my wife's name is Diana, and uh, we called her Diana O. And, 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 and I really believe Diana O was the, uh, the first coming of, of Rachel Alexandra. Mm. Um, I, like, she was that good, Jim. And unfortunately, uh, on a Breeders' Cup weekend of 1991, uh, we ran uh, the day before the Breeders' Cup because back then it was only one day. It wasn't two days. And unfortunately, um, you know, she, she broke down 150 yards from the wire when she was going to win the race. And, and that's when it really – it took me a long time, Jim. It took me 
honestly, it took me probably three to five years to really kind of just get back with my heart and, and the passion that I had for the game because you try to do everything right. You treat the horses as well as you can. They're so fragile. You know, 1,200-pound animals running at 35, 40 miles an hour. And, you know, to see that happen, just it, 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 it tore me to pieces. And, and I love the game. I love all parts of it. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the game. Now, look, are there problems in our game? 100%. Do we need to clean up? Do we need a leader in horse racing? Do we need a commissioner in horse racing? Absolutely 110%. But for me, uh, to see these equine, equine athletes and these crazy humans jump out of the back of them, uh, there's something to it, not only owning, but also wagering on them. And, and that story about Diana O is just absolutely heartbreaking. And, I mean, for any any of the equine athletes, but especially one that was that special to you, and I, I agree with you. You know, I'm still not quite the same since we lost Share Belief in 2015. Sure. I, I don't think I ever will be. And and I still right. love the game, but it's it's not quite the same. Really quickly, that notion of equine athlete, I'm glad you brought that up. You were a professional athlete at the highest level. You had a great career. You have coached some of the finest athletes in the world. I have trouble explaining this notion of equine athletes. Can you help me with that, too? Why, why are these thoroughbreds, in fact, great athletes? Because they are. But help me explain why they are and why you have a passion for them as athletes. Well, look, at I think, Jim, and, and people tell me, you know, you got the, you know, the, the phrase that I love to use, pucks and ponies, as I said a little bit earlier, is, is like in order for hockey and for horse racing to, to go, the game, the, the actual event, you need a lot of hands on deck behind the scenes, like the trainers. Like I always say, the trainers for hockey players, and I'm sure it's like this in other sports, but I, I don't have anything to go on, is is the lifeline of an athlete, a lifeline of a hockey player, regardless of how you're feeling or the equipment or whatever it is. is like you have people that are looking after you. If you take care of them, Jim, 35 and 40 years after you play, those guys will be with you the rest of your life. And any time I talk to a young hockey player, I say, hey, look, you want to get on the wrong side of Eddie Olsen, be disrespectful to a trainer. That's the easiest way to piss me off. And I just tell people that because the game – the game doesn't happen without those people, the men and women behind the scenes. And Jim, you know this. The people behind the, the scenes of horse racing is exactly the same. The game, the sport, the business does not happen unless you've got the trainers, the hot walkers, the group people, the people that are checking on these horses. Look at The horses can't say, hey, Edzo and Jim, you know, my, my right hip hurts. You know, like, that, that's not possible. So these trainers, for the most part, for the most part, they are family. They are blood. And to see these athletes up close and personal, to see how agile they are. Like, look at, I look at a hockey player to be able to do what they do, and I tell people, here's what I want you to do next winter. Get your best pair of shoes that are stable or boots, and go and get a, a butter knife or a steak knife. And just tape it to the bottom and see if you could go out there and stand on the ice that's on your driveway or on your sidewalk. The skill level that hockey players have to me is second to none. I'm not saying they're the best athletes, but to be able to do what they do at a high rate of speed and have only one puck out there and having somebody looking to knock you into the seventh or eighth row and, oh, by the way, still make a play and do whatever. Like, to me, I look at horses the same way. They're so fragile, but they're so agile on their feet. They're a herd animal. They're born and bred to do this. And to me, it's just a thing of beauty. And, oh, by the way, got these crazy humans, as I said earlier, Tim, that are 118 pounds that get on the back of these horses, and sometimes horses do what they want. 
and these jockeys put themselves in harm's way. But to me, I look at the equine athlete uh, and the hockey player very, very similar. And to me, there's just something about it. And honestly, it takes my breath away, whether I'm broadcasting hockey or wagering or doing broadcasting for NBC when we're doing the Triple Crown. Man, do I love that. Pucks and ponies. Pucks and ponies. All right, Ed, so let's talk some pucks really quickly. Vegas and Colorado look to be arguably the two best teams in the league right now. Ultimately, who do you think ends up with that top spot overall? And if we're talking about an inevitable collision course between the two in the postseason, how do they match up? Well, full disclosure, at the start of the year, I thought the Avalanche were the team to beat, Jim. I thought that they were. Now, to me, I thought, and I still do, and again, health being important. Not only hockey healthy here, Jim, but also staying away from COVID-19. Like, that's a big part of it. Like, look at You bet. People are, you know, look at people are wagering. People look and get their feet wet. I know the NFL went through it, but you just don't know. I mean, look at the wrong person gets sick, and you look at safety is paramount for the National Hockey League, but. If, if the Avalanche, I think, can stay healthy, to me, I think they have the edge at the center ice position, which to me is absolutely huge. The defense, I think it's a wash. I think it's very, very even when both teams are healthy as far as the back end for both teams. In goal, I think i got to give the nod to, to Leonard and Fleury and Vegas. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, can Grubauer come back? He's been banged up a little bit. Can he be the guy? Yeah, I think he can because I think that Colorado plays the style. Look at, as you know, Jim, the best defense in football – the best defense in hockey is when you got the rock on your stick. When you have it, you dictate all the terms. You don't have to worry about who's playing goal. So for me, at the start of the year, I looked at it being Colorado with the smallest edge. Now, who's going to win the division? Looks like Vegas is certainly set up, but Colorado's schedule is very favorable. To me, it really doesn't matter. Home, away, first, second, it doesn't matter. We're on a collision course, in my opinion, Jim, to see a matchup between Vegas and Colorado. If they can eliminate whoever they're going to play in the first round. To me, that second-round series, I've already got dibs on doing that series. I want to be on that series because, quite frankly, I think that could be the series of the playoffs. And also, I think it could be the series of the decade because I think those teams are that close and they play that intense and they have the ability to just play some incredible hockey. So, again, Vegas is going to want to try to punch Colorado in the mouth. Like, they're going to play a physical game. They're going to try to put them up against the glass. And does Colorado have the ability to be able to answer back and also turn a cheek? Like, yeah, Colorado doesn't want to get in that game. They don't want to get them in a, in a, in a uh, punching, drag them out, clutch and grab type of game. They want to play open. They want to play fast. But they got some guys that aren't afraid to run you into the next row. So, look at that. I know there's a lot there, but that collision course in the second round. Now, look at Unfortunately, in the world we're living, we're going to lose an incredible team in the second round. Now, look at the National Hockey League, the commissioner, Mr. Bettman, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, everybody involved to get this started and, and to see the, you know, the blueprint of what the baseball did, you know, last year and, and what football did here recently, what the NBA did to get it off. That's the most important thing. And you got the Canadian division, you got the three divisions down here. But Jim, I think to see that matchup in the second round, I would encourage everybody that loves Jim Rome, and I'm certainly at the top of that list. That is must-see television or must-see, must-listen radio, whatever you got to do to watch that series because I think you won't be disappointed. Now, at the end of this, Jim, that seven-game series, which I believe it, it will go the distance, that seven games is going to feel like 10 or 11. Does that take a lot out of that team that advances into the conference finals? That's it, right? Are you craving some great protein after a good workout? Of course you are. Except this time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Well... 
It's awesome. And because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And on top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can, in fact, taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, hot and spicy, if you need a little extra zing. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for a bag of Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I think you sound absolutely amazing today. I mean, I think you sound amazing. You mentioned at the very top that, incredibly, you have been cancer-free now four years. You and I have talked about this in the past, and I know there's a lot of people listening that have either heard you and I talk about it, or maybe they know about the battle that you courageously fought, or maybe they know, but they don't know the specifics. I really would like to get into this really quickly before you go. If you don't mind, I mean, as a pro athlete, Ed, you were in good health. You had no history of cancer in your family. What was your first sign that something was not right? What happened? Well, Jim, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, you have that ability on people, so it's always great to be with you, so thank you, thank you for that. Look, at, uh, I was on my way a couple of months. I was shy of my 51st birthday, and I had a colonoscopy set up because that was the recommended age of age 50. Um, all of a sudden, uh, one day in late July, I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't go number two, and that was not normal for Eddie Olchek. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to my wife. I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything to a doctor. I just thought, okay, I'm constipated, and, you know, I'll be fine tomorrow. And then tomorrow came, Jim, and I still couldn't go to the bathroom. So then I was like, okay, something's wrong. So maybe as a typical person in society, I went to the Walgreens, and I got some Metamucil and prune juice, and I tried to break up whatever was bothering me, and I would be fine the next day. Well, that didn't happen, and I got violently sick, Jim. And I got rushed to the hospital, and they told me, flat out that I had a blockage in my colon. They weren't sure what it was, but we need to clean you out, and then we need to go in and see what this thing is. So they cleaned me out, and then I went in for a six-hour surgery that removed a tumor the size of my fist, and they told me that uh, they would send it out, and they would give me an update four days later. And then on August the 4th at 7.07 p.m. of 2017, I got a call that changed my life and my family's life forever. And usually when you get a phone call, Jim, after 7 o'clock from a hospital on a Friday night, it's usually not a good call. And I knew what was on the other line. The phone kept ringing. It kept ringing. It came up on our TV what it was. And then my wife said, are you going to answer it? And I said, I can't. And she goes, you need to answer it. So I leaned over, and it was Dr. Scott Strong at Northwestern Hospital, and, she told, and he told me, he said, Eddie, I uh, just want to let you know your, uh, your test came back and uh, your tumor has come back cancerous and uh, you have stage 3 colon cancer and we're recommending six months of chemotherapy and then we'll reassess after that. And Jim, I hung up the phone. I told my wife. Uh, we cried. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to try to take this head on. I was scared. Uh, how am I going to tell my kids? That was probably the hardest thing I had to do, Jim, was to walk down the stairs and tell my four kids who happened to be home. And I think my wife probably prepped my kids for the worst. But to go down there and see as see your kids worried and see you tell them that you're sick and you have cancer, the last thing you ever want to do is, is worry your kids or, or, you know, shock their world. And I did that. And that really hurt. And I told them I promised them I was going to fight. 
And sure enough, on September 11th, 2017, I started my first of 12 street treatments of 48 hours of chemotherapy. And on the second treatment, Jim, anybody that has taken chemo or knows anything about chemotherapy, uh, and I had never quit in anything in my life. It broke me down. It, it, it tests your will to live. And I would just, I would vomit without having to throw up. Uh, my nose would start bleeding. I developed a blood clot. And I would just literally, I just shit the floor. And I said, I'm done. I quit. I can't live like this. Like, I, I, how am I going to get through today, let alone how am I going to get through five more months of treatment? And I didn't want to die. I didn't want to leave, but I was scared, And but I was beaten. I was a beaten person for the first time in my life. And my wife, Diana, came downstairs when I was ready to quit, and she looked at me, and I got the greatest inspirational speech I ever got in any locker room or anywhere that I've ever seen or ever read because it had directly to do with me. And my wife looked at me with tears in her eyes, and I had tears, and she said, look, you got to fight. you got to fight for me you got to fight for our kids, and you got to fight for all the people that love you. And we had a moment that lasted 30 minutes, and I cried for 35 of it, Jim. And I needed that because I was ready to bail because I just could not take the pain. I was, I was, I was hurting. And like I said, I'd never quit anything in my life, but for the first time, I was ready to bail. And my wife told me that, and I said, okay. So I picked up my big boy pants. I put my hockey helmet back on. I put my horse racing wagering mentality back on and said, okay, I'm not going to worry about what should be end in five months. I'm going to worry about today. And then I'm going to go to tomorrow and I'm going to battle and I'm going to fight like hell. And I'm going to try to be an example for people. And I want people to know that it's okay to feel beaten. It's okay to feel like you're at end's wit, but you need that strength. You need to ask questions. You need to have people that can pick you up. And I would encourage anybody out there that knows of somebody that's in a battle, somebody that is looking for support, Jim, you texted me, you called me numerous times. That helped. I needed to get through those most difficult days. And I said to myself, okay, I don't want to die. I I, want to be on the right side of this in five months and be clean and clear, but I don't know what's on the other side. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to fight, and I'm going to try to make people proud of me, and I'm going to try to inspire anybody out there and be real. And that's why I wrote the book. I wanted people to hear and feel and see what I was going through. And and I was able to do that. And, Jim, the one last thing I will say with this is that the, people ask me often, hey, Edzo, like, do you look at things differently now? Like, like do, you, do, you, you know, do you appreciate things more? And, and, my, and my honest answer is, Jim, is, is in, in when we talked about this and you were graciously to have me on your, on your TV and radio show, is, you know, look at, like, when I'm sitting in traffic and it's not moving, do I get as mad as I used to? No. Um, if we're delayed at the airport, does it bother me as much now as it did before? No. But the one thing I will say, and, and, and this is how I and I look at I'm very lucky and blessed, but like when I was going through that most difficult time, the whole time, but the most difficult time, I was at peace even though I was scared and I didn't want to die. I was at peace because I've always let the most important people in my life know. We all have a circle, Jim. Those most important people in our life knew how I felt about them, whether it was my wife or my kids or my friends or people that have had a huge impact in my life. I've always told them, hey, look, I love you. I want you to know, because God forbid if something would happen to me, I want you to know that my life has been better with you in it. I need you to answer me. I need you to know that you heard me. And everybody would say the same thing, Jim. They would say, ah, nothing's going to happen. Quiet. Don't talk like that. I'm saying, look at, no. 
I don't know where I learned it, but when I was going through, Jim, what I was going through, when I would put my head down, even being scared and wanting to quit and, and wondering what was going to happen, I was at peace that if something would happen, it was my time to go. I could close my eyes for the last time and know that the most important people knew how I felt about them. Because there is you know, no pun intended here, but it would kill me if I wasn't here that I didn't let the most important people in my life know how I felt about them. And Jim, that helped me get through. So quite honestly and frankly, I don't look at anything differently. And what this, what this journey did for Eddie Olchek and his family is that it reassured me that I was in a pretty good place before I got sick, and I'm in that same place after I got sick. I mean, Edzo, Eddie fucking Olchek. I, I just, Edzo, I just, I have chills. I don't even know what to say. Like, like, I know, I know this. I know this, and I still have chills hearing this all over again. And, and can I say, Diana, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I can't even begin to fathom the courage, Edzo, like the love, the passion, the courage, and how strong Diana is. To- I would not be here, Jim. I would not be here without my wife and my family and my friends and the team of doctors that Dr. Michael Terry, uh, he was the lead. Dr. Michael Ruckham, Dr. Scott Strong, Dr. Mary Mulcahy. They, they, are, the, they are the true champions of, of, of dealing with this horrible disease on a daily basis. But look, at, I, if Diana was not there, uh, I'm not embarrassed to say this, Tim. I, 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 I would not be talking to you today. I know that. I, I just I was at a point where I needed, I needed a pickup. And our caretakers out there, Jim, we need to make sure As a society, we want to look after the people that are ill. Yes, 100%. But we also have to look after the caretakers because I never saw Diana down. I never saw her weak. I never saw her worried. But you know, and I know, is that when she wasn't around me, I'm sure she let her guard down a couple of thousand times and wondered what was going to happen to me. And she probably lost it a few times. And we need to make sure we're looking after the caretakers as well as to give them a call and say, hey, how are you doing? Are, you know, are you okay? Can I do it? Look at the world we live in now. It's a text. It's an email. It's a call. It's a visit. It's a knock on the door and say, hey, I'm checking on you, but you know what? I'm checking on your wife, too. I'm checking on your kids. How are they? I'll tell you, Jim. My son, my youngest son, went to school and played college hockey in the state of Colorado. And my son eventually left that school for one reason. He left for his freshman year when I was sick, and he didn't want to go. My son did not want to go to school and play college hockey because I was back sick. And I said, Nick, you need to get on with your life. I will be fine. I will fight for you. You know that. I'll see you at Christmas. We'll see you and everything else. For two years, Jim, not once did the hockey coach ever grab my son and bring him into his office and say, hey, Nick, how are you doing? Mm. How are you Mm. dealing with your dad being home and being sick? Like, to me, Jim... Like that, that just, that taught my son a lesson that I could never teach him. All I, and eventually Nick, my son Nick left school after two years. And I said to Nick, Nick, I'm proud of you. I understand. And, and to me, I, I, I just, I, I learned a lesson and look at the world is cruel, but I think the majority of these people, the per- people in this world are good. They are great. They have a good soul. They have a good heart. Sometimes people get lost, but that to me, is where I saw all sides of humanity, all sides of people. Look at, 
I would want, I would expect, especially because I had a relationship with this coach, to go out of your way and say, hey, man, how are you doing? You're a 19-year-old kid that leaves his father that is, is diagnosed with cancer, and this kid is trying to commit to the school and to the program, and you don't have the common courtesy or the smarts to grab him and say, hey, man, how are you doing? You know, like, you know, do you want to talk about your dad? You know, any of that. Not one time. He had to rely on his teammates to do that, and I'm thankful for that. But, I, you know, Jim, like, it, to me, I've learned so much through this battle. But for Diana, the caretakers, the people out there, is that we need to make sure that we're asking them, how are you doing? Because they're going through a lot as well. God, that is an infuriating story. That, that is one of the worst things I, I think I've ever heard. I can't even get my head around that. I can't fathom that. I don't, I don't want to belabor that, Ed, but I mean, what a, what a horrible it story, it man. It yeah, hurts. It's pissing it me hurts. off. And, and look, as you know, Jim, being a father, um, I became a grandfather for the first time in, in, uh, in, in uh, July during the pandemic. I'm going to be a grandfather again Super. coming up here in September. And, wow. and uh, you know, having a granddaughter, Audrey Marie Olchek, born on 7-7-20, is certainly, uh, you know, I mean, one of the greatest experiences I've ever been around. But as you know, the last thing you ever want to see your kids is hurting. And when they hurt, you really hurt. But when it hurts in a situation where you think like, how, how can that happen? How, how could that have happened? How could that have been a part of the experience at college? And I said, look, Nick, I, I understand. You can come home. We'll figure it out. And now my son, Nick, is actually an aspiring broadcaster in the ECHL down in the lower levels of hockey. Awesome. Jim, and we actually got a chance to do a game together. Oh, wow. What was that Indy, like, Ed? What was that like? Oh, it was awesome. The Indy Fuel against the Fort Wayne Comets. Nick and uh, Andrew Smith uh, are the great team there in Indy, and I got a chance to sit with him. And I mean, it was just, it was a dream come true. And uh, it was just one of those things I'll never forget. And very thankful to Jim Hallett, the terrific owner of the uh, Indy Fuel and the ECHL. And uh, it was great. So, um, hey, things happen for a reason. Uh, You try to learn, you can learn from good experiences, and you can also learn from bad experiences. And that's what I've always tried to to teach my four kids. And, uh, but it was a great time to, to be in the booth with my son and, uh, and his partner. Yeah, it's so awesome. And what an, what an important message, Ed, because as we know, everybody has either dealt directly with cancer or known somebody who knew somebody who had cancer, but it even goes beyond that, right? The message, what I'm hearing from you is, and I know this to be true, you have to fight. You have to fight. Fight for yourself. Fight for those who love you. Fight for those who are close to you. And just take it one day at a time. Just fight that thing one day at a time and go as hard as you possibly can. And that's what you have to do. And that's what you need to do but Ed, i want to say again you i think you sound absolutely amazing i am really thankful one for our friendship i want to say that i think it's so important what you just said that you were at peace at the hardest time in your life because you made it a point to tell those around you i love you i love you i appreciate you thank you so i want to tell you ed i do love you and i do appreciate you and i appreciate our relationship and i appreciate you making time for this i know it's a very very busy week for you ed so thank you very much it is great to hear you all the best to the family and that was one of my favorite conversations and you and i have had a lot of great ones Right back at you, Jim. Love you. Love your family. And uh, thanks for all the support. And uh, keep up the great work. And uh, now, most importantly, let's let's get the Derby winner. Let's get the Derby winner. <laughs> you, Ed, you usually do. You usually do. Are you, I think I'm going to have to wait for the broadcast to get it. But I will be watching, and I know you will have something for us all then. All right. Stay safe, pal. Nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. Wow. Absolute chills. My man Edzo, Eddie O, 
How can you not be moved and inspired by that? How can you not feel something after that? In fact, let me echo his sentiments and tell you what he just said. Hug your loved ones, let them know exactly how you feel, and go get screened early and often. Take care of yourself. Listen to your body. An enormous thanks to Edzo for the inspirational and insightful commentary. What a legend. And I'm proud to call him a good friend. Before you dip, make sure that you do get subscribed. This is the kind of content and the types of conversations that we have been doing now for over three years. And I'm not going to stop anytime soon. Hope you enjoy one of the best weekends in all of sports. And I will catch you right back here for episode 173. Until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Rome, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. How soon until the Yankees try to make a trade here and make a move before the season, you know, even hits Mother's Day? I mean, this team, they have no pitching. They have no hitting. I mean, it's one thing, you know, you could say you could try to buy a championship. The Yankees are buying one thing right now. Tea times in the fall. That's it. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, what's up, Jim Rome? I, I call you a lot. I hoping, hoping one day you might answer. So anyway, have a good one, and I'll try again. Later. Message deleted. Next message. What's up, Jimmy? It's Dr. Dave. You know, with my Canadian heritage, I know a perfect way to trigger the SoCal clones. Bobachet will be better than Fernando Tatis. Fight me on it. Fuck you. Message deleted. Next message. What's up, Vance Mac? This is Amby in Rockland. And I'm infatuated with Garrett Ritt. Now, that doesn't mean that I want to have S with him, but I think I may want to have S with him. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. Rick from Buffalo. You tell that coach from Philadelphia to come see me, brother. I'll teach him how to be competitive. I take my fifth graders and I make them play hide-and-seek. And while they're hiding, I go steal all their little Debbies and snack packs. Then, three days a week, early in the morning, we pitch pennies and nickels in the corner, and I steal their lunch money. How competitive are you? Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Kenny in Albany, still cracking up over those De La Hoya shit. He looks like the Dodonis. Oh, more Matt in L.A. Dude cracks me up as well. Late. Message saved. You have no more messages.